Hey everyone and welcome to The Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party, causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I am your host, Michael Montalvo, and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to try and find out what makes today truly unique. In this episode, we examine the events that occurred October 26th. I was going to talk about how the year was 1864, and on this day, Confederate guerrilla leader William T. Bloody Bill Anderson was killed in battle by Union troops in Albany, Missouri. I was also going to talk about how the year was 1492, and on this day, October 26th, it said that lead graphite pencils were first used. Okay, I actually have to talk about this one a little bit. According to the most trustworthy source I could find, a Facebook post, the pencils were made from a combination of graphite and clay and were only called pencils because it looked like lead. It's important to note, however, that there is really no basis for this date in particular, as far as I could find, and so we have to take this with at least a moderate-sized grain of salt, or as I have just now started calling it, a moderate-sized grain of salt. I was going to talk about these, but it was during my many minutes of research that I uncovered another topic, and so it was decided that I would not talk about Bloody Bill Anderson or the quote-unquote lead pencil, but instead the Old West of America. Which America? North America. To begin this look at this chapter of our past, let's first look at the chapter of the chapter's past, the prelude, if you will. The backstory to this event begins with the outlaw gang, the Cochise County Cowboys. As you know, this was a group of cattle rustlers that, according to Wikipedia, lived in Pima, Arizona, but stole Mexican cattle to sell in the States. This wouldn't last, however, and eventually the Mexican government started to add forts to the border and lowered tariffs, or taxes, to make it less appealing. The Cowboys, as I will henceforth be calling them, as that's what they were known as, took their early organized crime effort and turned their eyes instead to nearby American ranches to sell to butchers because in those days you could do that. Again, referencing Wikipedia, they held up stagecoaches, stole strong boxes, and strong-armed the passengers for their riches, going as far as killing if they saw the need. Cowboy became an insult much to the dismay of those in the Old West. That brings me to the first major players in this story, the Clantons and the McLaurys. The Clantons and McLaurys were cowboys in the worst sense of the word, and as such were often on the wrong side of the law. And for a long time, the law just kind of let them do as they wished. No one really ever wanted to challenge them. The Clantons arrived in the Arizona Territory in 1873 and initially ran legitimate business dealings, but that all changed by 1878 and the introduction of Tom and Frank McLaurie. With the criminal dealings that the Clantons were already established in, and those we discussed earlier, the gang grew and found the support of an unlikely ally, Sheriff Johnny Behan. Enter stage left. Probably the most well-known name of any lawman in all of the Old 
Old West. Virgil Earp. To briefly recap Virgil's life according to the Legends of America website, Virgil was the second of eight children to parents Nicholas and Virginia Ann Cooksey. A few of Earp's brothers I will mention later, so I may as well mention them here now, were younger brothers Morgan and Wyatt. There you go, that's their mention. The American Civil War broke out when Virgil was 18 and he enlisted into the Union Army until June of 1865 and... Look, there's a lot to go over with the Earp family. The important bits to remember are that Virgil became the Deputy Marshal of the Arizona Territory in 1879 and traveled to Tombstone, Arizona with Wyatt and Morgan that same year. Morgan Earp was born April 1851, stayed at home, and looked after the family farm after his brothers went to fight in the Civil War. After the war, Morgan took work as a shotgun messenger for Wells Fargo. Basically, he was an armed guard for a stagecoach. He would eventually, as previously stated, join Virgil in Tombstone, Arizona. Wyatt Earp was the fourth of eight children and the younger brother of both Virgil and Morgan. He was elected as a local constable in Missouri, 1870, but was soon facing allegations of embezzlement after entering into a downward spiral following the death of his wife and unborn child. He left town in 1871 and was arrested for stealing horses, but we can't seem to agree on whether he skipped bail or broke out of jail. What we do know is that he was never tried, and that's the problem with you, Wyatt. You don't try. You just need to apply yourself. He continued his run-in with the law and was arrested multiple times as a bouncer for local brothels until 1875 when he began work as a police officer in Wichita and then later in Dodge City. This was the same place he returned to after gold mining in 1878 where he became a lawman and also a gambler. No word on if he knew when to hold them or if he knew when to fold them. It was also here that he became friends with Doc Holliday. I'll come back to Doc Holliday in a second, but I just wanted to conclude this mini ERP section by saying that in 1879, Wyatt moved to Tombstone, where he became a gambler and a guard. Okay, on to Doc Holliday. Doc Holliday was born John Henry Holliday, 1852, probably, and was from the traditional Old South. He graduated the Pennsylvania College of Dental Surgery in 1872 and, according to Britannica, already was suffering from the consumption. So he moved west in search of drier climates. He practiced in Dallas but also found a love of gambling and continued to drift around until befriending Wyatt Earp in Dodge City. The two would eventually meet up again in 1880 in, you guessed it, Tombstone, Arizona. I guess we should talk about Tombstone, which, if you think about it, is almost like a character itself. Tombstone, Arizona is located in, funnily enough, what was then called the Arizona Territory, and was founded March 1879 after silver was discovered in them their mines. It grew rapidly like most boomtowns, and by 1881 had a population of 7,000, but that's getting slightly ahead of ourselves. Referring back to Wikipedia, when the Earps arrived in Tombstone, the town was mostly made up of tents with a few saloons and various buildings. 
If you will recall, Virgil and the Earp clan had only been there at best a year before he had been appointed Deputy U.S. Marshal for Pima County and the Town Marshal of Tombstone. The Town Marshal had been Fred White, but he was killed accidentally by Curly Bill Brocas. Wyatt would actually help protect Brocas despite the brothers trying to protect the town and the town people's interests. To go all the way back to the beginning of the episode, Brocas was a cowboy and a part of the Clanton gang. It is also worth mentioning, if you recall, that Sheriff Behan was more of the look-the-other-way type, and the Earps were not really about that life. With Tombstone growing, the need for protection was also growing, and so Wyatt Earp was sought after to take on the role as he had a reputation for being a gunfighter and a lawman. And so the Earps and the Cowboys began their fight with each other, with Ike Clanton regularly threatening the brothers. All of this because both groups essentially wanted control of Tombstone. Here's a funny bit, though, that I found out. The Cowboys, although portrayed as villains in the majority of media that they are in, were really looked upon as more of a nuisance than anything else. Okay, so I have to mention this last little bit. In March of 1881, a stagecoach was robbed by a group of masked men, with the driver, Bud Philpot, being killed alongside one of the passengers. The Earps were convinced it was the Cowboys, and the Cowboys were convinced it was the Earps. But why was this? Supposedly, Virgil was making deals with Ike Clanton to turn in the Cowboys for reward money. No questions asked. All Clanton had to do was to turn in the Cowboys. And Wyatt confronted Ike Clanton to stage a fake stagecoach robbery where supposedly no one would get hurt. Clanton refused Wyatt's offer, but accepted Virgil's, and the Earps arrested many of the Cowboys for stagecoach robbery in early October. As you can imagine, this caused a bit of bad blood between the two, and the vow of revenge was renewed. Dot, dot, dot. So that was a lot of backstory. Let's skip ahead a little bit. On October 25, 1881, Ike Clanton and Tom McClary came into Tombstone in order to get supplies for their various doings. However, as they had a reputation and were part of the cowboy outlaws, over the next 24 hours they had violent run-ins with the Herbs and Holiday until... The year was 1881, and on this day, October 26, the infamous gunfight at the OK Corral took place. The Cowboys had been playing poker, exchanged some harsh words, and had a series of small scuffles, according to OKCorral.com. And this all led to the final confrontation. Not the final confrontation, but the final confrontation of this particular confrontation. Let's just get on with it. On the morning of the 26th, a vigilante businessman volunteered to intervene in the scuffle, but Virgil didn't want armed citizens involved, and so he went to Sheriff Behan for help in stopping the cowboys. Behan was there to try and talk peace, but was unable to get the cowboys to hand in their guns or the Earps from heading to the OK Corral. But why were they headed to the OK Corral? I hear you asking me. And to that I say, hold on, because it is a story. 
So Ike Clanton had been drinking all night and had begun threatening to fight the herbs as soon as they showed up. He went to confront Holiday, who was still in bed carrying a rifle and continued to make threats until 1 p.m. when Virgil and Morgan found him, pistol whipped him, and disarmed him. For you see, he was not supposed to have been carrying his guns. Virgil went to get Justice Wallace, who I guess was a judge, so that a court hearing could take place, leaving Wyatt with Clanton, who he allegedly threatened and yelled at. Virgil returned and Ike was taken to court, paid a fine of $25, and was told where to find his confiscated weapons. While this is going on, Tom McClory and Wyatt Earp almost bumped into each other, and they argue. Wyatt again made threats, and McClory denied having a gun, even though Earp would later testify that he did. Wyatt Earp drew his pistol and pistol-whipped McClory, leaving him bloodied on the street sometime between 1 and 2 p.m. Around 1.30 p.m., Billy Clanton and Frank McClory came into town. Having heard of the trouble their brothers had caused and intended to be support against the Earp Holiday gang, for lack of a better word. While it would have been wise for them to leave their weapons at home or in check, they carried them into town. The cowboys run into Holiday, who tells them their brothers were pistol whipped and they leave once again vowing revenge. The Earps next bought the duo at the local gun store trying to buy more weapons but were refused. Later, Virgil goes to the gun shop and sees that the four cowboys are buying cartridges. He then goes to get a shotgun, hiding it in his coat. The cowboys move to the OK Corral, threaten to kill the Earps, and then walk outside into the empty lot next to the building. Sheriff Behan was warned of the situation and went to disarm the cowboys, and claims to have done so. Virgil also makes the decision to disarm them and goes to Fremont Street in order to meet and disarm the cowboys. This actually may be the same thing that just happened. I read it from two different articles and they worded it a little bit differently. As the Herb Holiday group makes their way to the cowboys' location, Martha J. King says a group shouted, Let them have it! And Holiday responds with, All right. The cowboys were not disarmed and after warnings to surrender... Shots are fired. Virgil, aimed at Frank McClary, and Billy Clanton aimed at him. Both fired, but we don't know who shot first. Billy Clanton missed, but Virgil Earp hit his target. Holiday shot Tom McClary before turning to fire on Frank McClary and Billy Clanton. Ike Clanton, for all his talk, ran and escaped. Shots continued, and according to reports, 30 shots were fired in 30 seconds. Then, the fight was over. Morgan, Virgil, and Doc Holliday were wounded, but Wyatt Earp was not. Billy Clanton and both Tom and Frank McClory, three of the Cowboys present, were killed in the shootout. In the aftermath, the Earps and Holliday were arrested but acquitted of any wrongdoing as it was seen that they were acting within the law, but they struggled to retain control of Tombstone after this event. On December 28th, Virgil was ambushed and permanently crippled. It was never positively identified who made the attack and no arrests were made. On March 18th, 1882, Morgan Earp was shot and killed while playing billiards by a group of cowboys, which sent Wyatt into a rage and a mission to hunt down the men responsible, which he did 
killing them one by one. Virgil Earp left for California but ended up Deputy Sheriff of Goldfield, Nevada, where he died of pneumonia October 19, 1905. Wyatt Earp would go on to Los Angeles, California, where he would die January 13, 1929. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me on, helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Price Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.